0: Welcome back to As the Prop Turns. I'm your host, Kat. In continuance with our women in aviation theme, I wanted to take the time to introduce another one of our awesome women here at SFS, Tina Mason. Tina has been with SFS for a long time now. Uh, She's done the majority of her training here with us. um, And now she's one of our instructors, which is super cool to see, you know, the full cycle of everything. Um, I'm loving being able to share all of our aviators' stories um, because, you know, working in flight training, um, over the past five years, I've seen how hard it is to know where to start. Uh, should I do 141? Should I do 61? Etc. So we're going to be talking uh, with Tina today, um, a little bit about that, about her flight training journey, um, and go from there. So Tina, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, we're super excited to be, um, you know, talking with all of our ladies here, and you know, about their journey and being able to inspire anybody who's listening or you know, give some good information to anybody who's wanting to get into flight training. Um, so with that being said, let's just start at the very beginning. What originally got you into aviation? Uh, so the summer after
1: my junior year, my dad sent me down to flight school. I was living in Richmond, Virginia at the time, and he used to be a flight instructor in Austin. I wish I could remember the name of the school, but He was like, you're going to spend a month in Texas or as long as it takes and work on your private pilot if you want to. So I stayed with my uncle in Austin, um, had my first little rental car, felt really cool, (laughs) and started flight training. And it was really intense. Um, If you look to my logbook, it was four weeks to the date that I started and took my check ride for my private pilot on my 17th birthday. Oh, so cool. It was cool, it was cool. Um, but it was a blur too, you know, because the yeah. training went so quickly. That was back in 2005. So when I started here at SFS, I like, it was almost like it didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. remember much, but that that was my first introduction to aviation. I remember my dad told me that he tried to, he tried to get my brother to, to fly yeah. and he was, I think my brother is maybe like five or six years old and he was in the backseat while my dad was instructing another student. And he said he fell asleep before takeoff, oh and he was like, I guess, I guess my son will not be the pilot, so I'll try with my daughter.
0: How so. cool. So aviation runs in your family?
1: Yeah, my dad's the first, I think, and only pilot in the family. Okay. Um, but yeah, he used to fly cargo for okay. this small company called Air Guinea in cool. Liberia.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. Um, so he's not doing aviation anymore? He's not. So...
1: He loves flying, like I think more yeah. than anyone I've ever met, but when we fled the war and came here, mm-hmm. he he did go to school at Florida Tech, I think, has the flight school, but anyway, he he, he did get his licensing in the States and everything, okay. but in the 80s, it was just a really yeah. different climate yeah. for pilots, and he he had a lot of trouble finding a job, um, so he ended up becoming an aircraft mechanic. Oh, okay. And then... He told me this, like, a long time later. He actually did get a job offer as a commercial pilot, um, but it was going to be in Hawaii, and he didn't want to leave the kids, yeah. like me and my brother my sister. Well, my sister wasn't born yet, but <laughs> me and my brother, because my mom was just starting med school, so he was oh, like, wow. you know, we need somebody to raise the kids. So he told me he sacrificed his career for Aww. us, and I was like,
0: wow, yeah. <laughs> that's huge. Oh, but my gosh. thanks, Dad. So, let's go back. I heard you mention about fleeing Liberia. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So, it's all according to what my parents have told me. Um, When I was born, 1988, the civil war in Liberia had just started in, like, 1987. So, my parents fled the country, uh, brought me with them, obviously. I believe we were... I can say this, but I think we were illegal aliens for a while oh, wow. in Houston. <laughs> um it was just, you know, trying to get their paperwork together. Yeah. Um we went to we ended up in Houston because my dad had a a brother there. I guess okay. he's my uncle, but we're not that close. So my dad's brother. Sure. <laughs> and we stayed with them for a while. And I remember my dad working at Radio Shack, if anyone oh, wow. remembers what yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he we went from being a pilot to Radio Shack, I think he was a manager at Burger King for a while. My mom was in her third year of med school when we left, and she she was cleaning houses. I think she worked at a couple department stores, and they just had to, you know, start from scratch, yeah. um, repeat hours of college. Eventually, my mom got a job at Baylor and uh, working on, like, research project. Oh, cool. Um, her name is actually on the Human Genome Project. Aww. I like to say that I helped because yeah. I would be in a lab with her and, like,
0: Aww, so cool. typing in
1: samples. So that was my little run with science. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, my dad, like I said, he um, ended up becoming a mechanic. Okay. And he worked. You know, that's kind of what kept us afloat as my mom, like, was able to get back into med school. Sure. And, yeah, they just, you know, Started over, worked really hard, always made sure that, you know, we didn't have, like, a lot of money. I think my mom said we came with, like, $2 American cash. Wow. And, but somehow they always got me into a good school. Like, yeah. my, my brother, I believe he went to, like, all private schools. I don't know how they did it. Sure. but But um, they just made sure, you know, we always lived in a good area and really pushed education. And
0: I don't know. They're great. Wow. <laughs> that's an incredible story, Tina. I didn't know that. That's really cool. So after your private, you had a different career route, right?
1: Yes. I I guess you could say flailed around a little bit trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I ended up at Georgia Tech, did economics. Um, Then I wanted to do research. Um, I started doing something called community psychology, kind of like sociology, wanted to... I don't know. Econ is like the psychology of people put into math and I was like I okay. want to actually study more psychology and see how I could pair those two together. Sure. Um but then I ended up teaching just cuz I was like I don't want to get a PhD. <laughs> um, so I, t- I taught economics in high school for 3 years and kind of a tangent but related I promise. <laughs> I I got really into jiu-jitsu, brazilian jiu-jitsu okay. and I was training all the time competing once a month, traveling, spending just, like, a lot of money, you know. It's, yeah. it's just, like, a really intense hobby. Um, And one year, I, like, I did my budget, and I total, totaled up everything I'd spent on just, like, training, food, you know, eating healthy, personal trainer, just yeah. the whole nine. And it was something like $12,000. Oh, wow. And I was like, I really can't afford to keep teaching <laughs> <laughs> and, right. like, doing jujitsu. Um, and my dad was, like you know how to fly planes. Why don't don't you do that? And he was talking about how there's a shortage, you know, in Mm -hmm. aviation. Absolutely. And I'd been, you know, years since I'd even thought about flying. So I was like, yeah, you're right. So I put in my letter of resignation, maybe like a couple of weeks later and left teaching and decided to fly. Part of me wishes I'd stayed a little bit longer because the pandemic hit like, yeah, that same year, and I was like, "Man, I could have been teaching online,
0: yeah, and flying, <laughs> but it's okay."
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's what led me back to aviation. Okay, just more money for my hobbies. Yeah, which I know is not like so
0: passionate. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great career. I mean, it's a huge sacrifice in the beginning to get into aviation, but I mean the the rewards that you get down the road. Um, it's just a really great. Uh, career, and it's uh, secure. Yeah. It's a secure career. So I totally get that.
1: So just in the spirit of Black History Month and, um, well, I guess it's over, but Black History Month, we just celebrated in women in aviation and just looking at, like, the opportunities women have. um, Sometimes it's not, for me, it's not really an achievement that I have, but just being place and time, and I might be the first Female Liberian pilot. Um, So cool! And I'm hoping to be the first female Liberian black belt in jujitsu. Hopefully,
0: yeah,
1: I can find a way to do both. There's actually a Delta pilot on our team, and Delta sponsors him and does like pays for his tournament fees. So I was like, hey, (laughs) please put a good word in for me.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's very cool. So you can kind of combine two of your passions per se. Yeah. Kind of. That's the goal. That's that's really cool. Um, okay, so what would you say your favorite thing about aviation is? Definitely, you know, when you've
1: gotten through the takeoff process and looking down and just seeing the world, I always think about, like, I'm passing so many people. They're going yeah. about their day. They don't know that I'm up here right. <laughs> watching, and everything just feels so...
0: I guess insignificant when you're yeah. up there. It's peaceful and Yeah. That's what everyone says. Yeah. I mean the views is probably the the biggest perk of flying. Last week or we talked with uh, Lexus about sunsets from the sky. Yes. Like it's unreal. Unreal. It really is. Um, so what are your what are your future aviation plans? I know you're gonna start instructing with us here, so you kinda just got started on that journey, but like where do you see yourself with aviation in the future? I w- definitely wanna go commercial okay. in the end. I might
1: do a little tangent. If I could get in um flying private, okay. I I would just for you know, just build experience and do something different. But the long term goal is commercial. Okay. I have a friend who um started this company called OneTrust, and he's doing really well. They were just valued at, like, $5.3 billion. His name's Kabir. Shout out Kabir. And I really, (laughs) um, I'm like, buy a jet. Buy a jet. Right. (laughs) So if he does that, you know, or if the opportunity arose, I would like to. But other than that, aviation is, I mean, commercial is, is where I would like to go.
0: Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. I think one thing that a lot of pilots would say is that aviation is all about who you know uh, especially for those private jobs you like you have a friend who may be buying a private jet and you could be the pilot he's like oh hey I know a pilot right and give you a call like a lot of uh especially like the private flying and stuff a lot of that is like networking and stuff like that for sure yeah I guess
1: they say that about
0: every field, but I do think I hear it more with aviation. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's a really um, tight community too, for sure. So with this month being Women in Aviation, um, you know, we're focusing on our women here at SFS and kind of talking about your journey and and things like that. So what... what advice would you give, you know, girls or women who are thinking about getting into aviation or, or that are in aviation now? And, you know, what what advice would you give them about pursuing their their passion and their careers? I would say that aviation
1: isn't just flying, you know, like there's more, right. there can be women in aviation, even if you're not sure that you want to be a pilot. Sure. Um, like like for you, instance, you know, you're managing right. the whole campus. Um, I recently attended a women in aviation's meeting and they had, you know, just women who work on safety, on the safety sure. end of aviation and there's there's lots of opportunities and it's wonderful to see women. I feel like now's the time if you want to get into aviation Absolutely. as women, woman go for it. Um I think at least in my experience it's been very friendly. I haven't mm-hmm. felt any any sort of way about being a woman. Um, right. And I think that's great.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, when we talked with Alexis, she brought up some statistics uh, from the Women in Aviation website about how there's such a small percentage of, um, you know, female pilots in all aspects of aviation. And um, I really think that that's something that the world is aware of. And I I really think that, um, you know, with the help of the Women in Aviation Conference and everything, they're really you know, putting that interest out there and saying like, hey, it is possible. Right. Anybody can do it. So that's really cool. And then going back to your jujitsu, how long have you been doing that?
1: It started in 2015.
0: Oh, okay, so a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being sort of like a male dominated hobby, I guess, or what would you call it? Yeah, I would would call it a hobby. Okay. So with that being kind of like a a male-dominated hobby, um, do you feel like your experiences and things that have gone on over your training can kind of translate to aviation, which is also a male-dominated industry?
1: I think so, especially when it comes to mindset. So jujitsu is all about mindset, right? And it's essentially saying that just because you're a smaller person doesn't mean you can't win at a fight. And I think a lot of that character building and tenacity falls falls over into aviation. Sure, You know, it doesn't take anything special in particular to fly a plane. It's like you learn to drive a car. Right. You can learn to fly a plane if you're willing to also learn <laughs> other yeah. things, you know, about the weather. So I think it helps my mindset of just being like being a woman is not less than and— right. Um. We can do. I mean, we might not be physically as strong. Yes, right. there's a limit to that. But mm-hmm. I can still learn the skills, um, regardless of what what the task is.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. So, let's go back to flight training. So you did uh, you did your private out in Texas. Um, was that 141 or 61? I believe it was 61. Okay. So you did that part 61, and then you started up doing your instrument with us, was it 2020? I, th- ooh, let's see. I think it was 20,
1: yeah, 2020, because you guys had just started, uh, I think you had just gotten your 141 approval. Sure,
0: yeah, that, that sounds right. Um, so you started instrument 141, and did you do the rest of your training 141? Yes. Okay, um, so... In your opinion, um, like, how do you feel about, like, the 141 structure um, and kind of how our curriculum is set up here? I, it is hard for me to compare it to
1: my private since it happened so long ago. But I do, uh, I do feel like it's more organized, Mm -hmm. 141. Like, I like the structure. I like seeing, you know, the specific topics that, you know, matches up with the books. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm definitely a routine based person, sure. so I like being able to you know like know what to expect. Yeah, um, to have to study and read, and it lets you, you know, flying is so for me especially when I started my instrument. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even remember what a VOR <laughs> is right now, but at least I can read about it and right. I know that's what we're talking about today. So let me try to right. like brush up as much be- as best I can.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you kind of like that, um, you know, everything's already kind of planned out for you. For sure. Whereas part 61, I feel like you kind of like, so what do you want to do today? Yeah. You know, so I think that's definitely, I totally agree with that. Um, and then, of course, we have the in-house examination, which is really cool to do your check ride here Yeah, on campus. Um, but you did do your commercial and your CFI check rides with a DP. I did, yes. Yeah. Um, so... What would you say your favorite rating was to learn? Favorite? Probably commercial.
1: Yeah. And commercial because you have the option to fly by yourself. Okay. And because it had been so long um, since I'd trained, it was just, it was a good confidence builder. Mm-hmm. You know, just being like, all right, I can do this. I don't need my instructor with me right. all the time. Um I, I know you have the option to do it with your instructor, sure. but I would definitely encourage, even though I, as an instructor, I'll want the hours. I will try right. to encourage my <laughs> students, like take the leap, yeah, do it yourself. It'll, it'll be good for you mentally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the cool thing about our commercial program here is it's, I'm pretty sure it's one of the only um, programs in the U.S. where it's a condensed commercial course. So it it's half the time and half the money uh, compared to the traditional, like, 120-hour, 141 yeah. programs. So that's a cool thing that we have with that, too. All right, so favorite rating, what was your hardest rating? Oh, or your least favorite rating? My
1: instrument. It's Well, looking back, I'm like, oh, instrument is easy. Yeah. But I really struggled with instrument. It al- it almost beat me. I almost was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to teaching. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to feel like it's hard. I think I just, um, something I've learned as a teacher is, You know, there's so many different personality types, Mm -hmm. and I think that it's really important for the instructor and the student to be able to, like, communicate well and, you know, feel good about um, what's being said in the instruction. So I think it it, it helps a lot to have, um, just to be able to change how you deliver information to someone because not everyone's going to learn the same way, so definitely something I'm going to keep in mind when I'm instructing is like, if I feel like I can't instruct somebody, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, yeah. it's just not, <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. And, and you happens. Some money. happens. Yeah. That
0: happens. I mean, it's probably happened with you throughout your training as well. Um, you know, someone may be the coolest person on the ground, but you just don't click in the air or, you know, vice versa. It, it definitely happens and no one ever takes it personally. Right. Um, so all right. Well, I think we'll go ahead and stop there. We'll go ahead and take a break, and when we get back, we'll go ahead and um, continue some questions with Tina. Okay, everyone, we are back. So, Tina, let's do some stories. What? What is your? What has been your scariest story or, like, your your worst experience flying? So this was definitely back in my private.
1: Um, we were flying these old tomahawks. Um, and something happened with my radio. I was on my cross-country mm-hmm. by myself. And I'm trying to land at the airport so I can troubleshoot the radio. Yeah. However, I'm at like a military field and <gasps> Oh no. <laughs> they, you know, like I I can't hear anyone. Um, but their plans they were taking off. I don't know what sort of drill they're running, but I, I just had to get on the ground because I'm yeah. like, I can't hear anything, I don't know what's happening. So I was like, I'm gonna land, you know, I have I'm emergency, I'm landing. Um and then the air, ATC a- guy, like, and I'm able to turn the radio back on after mm-hmm. a little bit, and he calls me and yells at me. And I, I'm pretty sure I started crying <laughs> like, oh, 16. No. Um, and then, you know, flew back home, and my instructor wasn't too happy about it. But that was probably, well, definitely my scariest yeah. moment flying.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, like, they didn't, like, come after you or anything? No, no. That, that was the end of it. I think okay. they called
1: my flight school, and uh, the owner chewed them out about oh, it. Oh. But, I, yeah, I, I don't really know what happened to the radio, but sure. uh, I— think they got it fixed after
0: that. Well, I mean, that, that was great decision making on your part. That's pretty much what flight training is about is preparing for the what if. Right. So, okay. Happy, happier thoughts. Now, what was your best story or Um, your your favorite experience flying?
1: Favorite so far is cross country, flew to Charleston and took a passenger Mm. and it was just really fun flying with a passenger because they were scared of flying. Right. So um, I had to deal with, um, you know, just having somebody on board who wasn't like comfortable. So, you know, just trying to like comfort your passenger, but also Mm -hmm. like fly the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And in the end, you know, they developed like a different sense of like what I was doing. You know, he, um, he was like, oh, you actually are, you know, you know, working on something. I'm like, yes, I'm uh, <laughs> flying planes. It's yeah. very real. So it made that a real experience for him. But also it was just cool having a passenger aboard and being like, okay, you know, if, if you don't feel good, we
0: can land. Right. You know,
1: just putting their safety first in case, you know, just, I don't know, making yeah. somebody comfortable. and.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point you bring up. I remember... Um, You know, way back in the day, a few years ago, I was actually flying with my boyfriend um, one of the first times that we were up, and I'm not a pilot myself, so I didn't know what was going on, but um, he ended up getting put in a hold for the first time. He'd never done a hold before, so he gets in the hold. There was some bad weather or something, and I have no idea what's going on. I just think everything's fine because he, being the PIC, made sure that like you said, the, the passenger is comfortable, like, you know, there's no panicking or anything like that. Right. So that that just reminded me of, of that story as well. Like, you know, that's the important thing, you know, being PIC or being, you know, a pilot is making sure that, you know, whoever's in the plane with you, everything is cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, actually, on the way back from Charleston,
1: um, there was some like unforecast, Sure. weather the ceilings were supposed to be at like 8,000 but really they were at 6,000 and I started flying like over yeah the clouds but I'm like oh crap the sun is setting and we don't have oxygen <laughs> and, <laughs> you know so I had to like maneuver down but I don't think he um realized that I was like okay
0: we're kind of in a bad
1: situation right, but right. it was yeah
0: that's that's the whole thing is like you know what's going on you know how to fix it but we're not gonna we're not gonna panic anyone. right yeah for sure um so you've done all your your flight training with Superior. Um can you just share a little bit about like your experience, you know, with the school and, you know, like now you're working with us, so kind of like how that panned out? Yeah, it's been a lot of change. Okay. In the, in the
1: best way yeah. since I started. Yeah. Um I think Maybe you guys had just been bought by mm-hmm. PEA when I sure. started, so the the fleet was much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't think we had that many G1000 in the aircraft. Sure. But as I've been training, you know, so I saw the 141 program start, yeah. and I got to be, um, you know, the first to go through gra- ground and and training with that. And um, now the fleet, I don't even know how many planes are there. there is. Like so many, and yeah, like a new like one 16, every day. Yeah, like sixteen, give or take. Yeah. Um, And even the number of instructors has Mm -hmm. grown. So it's cool to see the school growing. Mm -hmm. And what I've loved about training here is just, there are women here. I mean, there's not like a bunch of us, but there's women and there's also, you know, um, African American people, there's Mm -hmm. Indian people, and it's just such a nice, like diverse climate. Um, I feel like things are going to change when I like Go out into the world for real yeah. <laughs> in aviation, but for now, to me, I'm like, no, aviation is very diverse. I don't know what everyone else right. is talking about, but <laughs> it feels it's nice. It's yeah. it's nice being in this environment, and um, it was cool during stands. I was I've always wondered why is our campus so diverse, and then during our standardization training, they were just talking about how PA has always been an international campus. Sure, so I was like, okay, that was that was great to know.
0: Yeah, so picked a good one. Yeah, absolutely. So now that you're going to be instructing with us, you know, you have your experience in the classroom from being a high school teacher, and now you're going to be teaching, you know, kind of one-on-one in the airplane and, you know, doing ground school and stuff. So how do you feel like your experience from that is going to translate?
1: Um... Several ways. Kind of what I alluded to earlier is just identifying early on like, am I clicking with this person? Am I communicating in a way that they can hear me? Because that's really important. Um, One of my favorite quotes is George Bernard Shaw, and he says something along the lines of, the single biggest issue in communication is the illusion it's taken place. Mm -hmm. And I just really love that because. You know, a lot of times you can be talking, but they're not hearing what you're right, saying. Right, the perception or right.
0: point of view, yeah. So just
1: making sure that that relationship is good. Um, probably do something like, like a personal or a learning style quiz when I first yeah. get someone just to see, like, how do you want information. Yeah. And it is going to be different because, you know, in the classroom I'm trying to get to 40 people right. at the same time. Whereas one-on-one, um, I guess you get instant feedback kind of on how right. someone's doing. So that'll be good. Um, and I think even, even if I'm teaching part 61 or part 141, I'll put a structure to it. Cause, right. You no, know, that's what you do with teaching. like, these are yeah. objectives. So you still try to provide structure for students. And I right. Think that's important.
0: For sure. So I know you don't have any students yet, but what, uh, is your, what are you looking forward to most to teach your new students? Uh, actually, do you mean on the
1: ground or in the sky or does it matter? Both. Both. Okay. Um, Sky, I'm excited about teaching stalls just because okay. I remember it kind of scared me the first time <laughs> I went up with my instructor, and they like, well, in my mind, I'm like, you just cut the plane off. Why did <laughs> you do that? So that's kind of fun, uh, not to scare anyone, but it is, <laughs> uh, you know, direct lesson on aerodynamics. Um, I think I am looking forward to teaching aerodynamics the most, just because. Okay. I don't know. For for some reason, it it, it blew my mind when we read that you know, like air is liquid and I'm like, so flying is kind of like swimming. And if you just keep okay. moving, you know, like it works. But anyway, that's not how I'm, how I'm going to teach it, but yeah. I am excited about teaching
0: aerodynamics. Um, and then, so on the flip side of that, like, what are you dreading to teach? Regulations for sure. Um, it's
1: just, it's hard to study. They're yeah. hard to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it's wordy, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll retire and try to like, Reword the regulations one day, <laughs> somebody <Right. laughs> would let me. But it's just—it's so boring.
0: Okay. So boring. And then, what about in the air for for that aspect? For regulations? No, like, what are you dreading on teaching oh. in the airplane?
1: Um. Even though I struggled with instrument, I think I'm looking forward to teaching instrument. Sure. Um. Probably lazy eights.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, those were, I feel like everyone I've flown has shown, everyone I've flown with has, like, shown me a different way to do okay. it. Okay. Even, like, you know, from my instructor down to my DP. And even, mm-hmm. you know, during my test, he was like, everyone does them differently. I don't care. But I'm like, I really want to know <laughs> how to do this properly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I don't think they're terrible, but it hasn't, like, hit perfection yet. Sure. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that
0: goes. Sure. Um, so last quick thing before we wrap up. Um, you've told us so many cool things about yourself today. I was really cool getting to know you more. Um, so you were mentioning before that you love DIY stuff. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So I fell into DIY trying to, um, save money, honestly, sure. <laughs> but in the end, so I started first making like moisturizer for my skin. Mm-hmm. And so now I make, um. I do a shampoo for my hair. I can make toothpaste. That is I still so cool. buy it cuz yeah. you know you just run through it so fast. so It's yeah. easier to buy, but I can do toothpaste, deodorant. Um I do like a toner for my skin, yeah. a spray for my hair. Uh yeah, just just about anything I try to I even do a cleaning product oh, like that's made cool. with vinegar. I so when I was teaching, I used to give students extra credit for bringing me their orange peels <laughs> so they would get like, you know, there was a whole system, Yeah, that. but they would bring me their orange peels and I soak it in vinegar uh-huh. for like two weeks and then turn that into like a cleaning solution. Oh, wow. I still have like jars and jars of it. Cause at the end of the semester when oh, they're like, Oh, Miss Mason, what can we do for extra credit? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not about to like grade extra stuff, but if you want to <laughs> Give bring me, your me orange, orange, peels. orange peels and jars, <laughs> go for it. So I'm like probably stocked for the rest of my life. That's Funna. super
0: cool. Very resourceful. <laughs> Love it. Well, Tina, thank you so much for being here today. It was super cool, you know, getting to know you more and hearing, you know, your story and and your aviation journey. So, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. It's
0: fun. I'm your host kat granary and thanks for listening to as the prop turns we'd like to thank our engineer tyler whittington and our sponsor anchor for making all this possible and of course all of our listeners be sure to check us out on instagram tiktok linkedin and facebook handle at superior flight school and remember any landing you walk away from is a good one